Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on bluenile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. ES Audio. Hello, I'm Nick Curtis, the Evening Standard's Chief Theatre Critic. Welcome back to our theatre podcast. This week, I'm joined by Nancy Durrant, the Evening Standard's Culture Editor, and Nick Clark, the Deputy Culture Editor. Coming up shortly, we're getting festive, or are we, with Elf the Musical at the Dominion Theatre. But first up this week, it's dot, 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 Vardy versus Rooney, the Wagatha Christie trial. Would you not agree, Mrs Vardy, that if it looks like a leak and it sounds like a leak, and you even use the word leak, that it's more likely than not to be a leak? No. And that's what you were, a leak. No. This is a piece of verbatim theatre where most of the lines spoken on stage are culled from the libel trial that Rebecca Vardy, footballer's wife, brought against Colleen Rooney, another footballer's wife, claiming she had defamed her when Vardy had been leaking material from her private Instagram account to the Sun newspaper. What I wanted was to stop the person who was leaking my private information to the Sun. This was my last resource. Obviously you knew it was going to cause a massive impact across millions of people, correct? No. I was surprised myself how much interest it caused. Normally, this sort of form of theatre is is used for extremely serious court transcripts, such as those from the Nuremberg trials, those from the Grenfell Tower inquiry. This is a a completely new way of of approaching it, I think. Um, Nick, the nice dichotomy of this play is that it's a very dry legal procedure about very, very funny text messages, Mm. quite often with emojis described in court or famously as with uh, Rooney's reveal it's dot 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 Rebecca Vardy's account and these dots are read out several times on the course of the stage every single one itemized and it's 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 fairly hilarious including the prologue and you get um two sort of football pundits who are commentating on the action each time one of the QCs or KCs as I suppose they now are gets to the front gets gets to their feet you hear the sound of a sort of football boot on leather um and and a whistle blowing so it's sort of half trial half football match I think you and I were saying earlier they should really have kept it at 90 minutes because it is end-to-end stuff isn't it yes and they should have maybe expanded the theme to uh, maybe throwing over to the studio where experts could have explained a, a, a bit more. Instead, what's really interesting with the, the framing device of the two pundits, they really lean into the football cliches and it works well. I've read in some places they think it breaks up the flow of the play. I actually quite enjoyed it because I think otherwise the play would remain a little bit too flat if you just stay with the trial uh, as it is, the trial transcript. So it adds a, 
a, a necessary injection of humor to it, but I think they could have lent into it even more. Did you find um, it was was it sympathetic to the two women? Do you think, or do you think it were, were they held up as figures of fun? I actually think it was sympathetic uh, to both of them. It, they're both uh, brilliantly paid. Lucy May Barker as Rebecca Vardy and Laura Dos Santos as Colleen Rooney. I don't think they do hold them up as figures of fun. Having their voices there does lend, actually, surprisingly, dignity to them. Certainly Colleen. I've never been in a court. I've never been in a legal case before. This is the first time publicly I have ever spoke about this. Certainly the people around me took real delight in the laughs, in the skewering, in the moments of, of absurdity. They'd sort of come to witness two caricatures, I think. Mm. And yet around me, I, I did feel a little bit uncomfortable and wondered, because this is not just a play about an argument over social media. Uh, I mean, it extends into society, into social media. It, it's also about class. Yes, and there's something uncomfortable about a woman with a Scouse accent the, when she first opens her mouth in the prologue and laughter ringing around the audience, even though she's not really said anything You're funny. You're right. And I think, I think that the writer, the writer and the director quite skillfully address that towards the end. I think there's a yeah. moment which is set up as a laugh and then the laugh is killed quite uh, impressively and strikingly yeah. in the audience's throat. I should say, I think there's also a great performance from Lucy May Barker as Rebecca Vardy, who has this sort of, um, to begin with, just this incredibly dry, downbeat voice and sort of dead-eyed stare. Yeah. As if she doesn't realise she's condemning herself out of her own mouth with every single thing she says. And there are some wonderful things such as, you know, saying to the um, interrogating barrister, well, if I'm being honest, yes. he of course points out, well, you better be because you're in a witness box of a, of a courtroom. And that's why Ms. Watt couldn't face coming to court in the end to have been found that she'd lied, could she? Actually, I think she's been driven to suicidal thoughts by these proceedings and by the antics of the defendant. She even withdrew her statement just being being read out. And so yes, responding to awesome. the question of, uh, well, why is your uh, publicist phone at the, in Davy Jones's locker going, who's Davy Jones? Yes. And having the judge explain it to her. But yeah, she's she's got the better part in that she has the laughs. Yes. Colleen is much more sort of dignified. and She gets the sympathy, I think, yes. rather, rather than the laughs, definitely. Although uh, Vardy does get to sort of walk off stage in quite a sort of imperious yes. fashion at the end of it. So she gets one last sort of uh, moment of panache in there, I suppose. She, she does. I do wish that there was more time to go into some of the issues that do underlie it because they're, they're hinted at and it felt to me like they weren't brought out perhaps on purpose but it felt like there was more to run and, and, and the film that I came out thinking of was Amy, the documentary by Asif Kapadia and the reason was so when watching that film it's very clear that you as the audience member you as someone around at that time are implicated in what's happened to Amy Winehouse in the media abuse, the, her downfall in, in just the, the hounding of this woman. And it seems very clear to me that we're equally as implicated in this trial as well, in a way, yeah. when the social media outrage, the outpourings, the, the laughs, the memes, all of that. And maybe it's because we're too close to it that people haven't thought about it in those terms. But I left the theatre thinking... We're totally implicated. I don't I think agree. many around me thought that they were just having a laugh. Possibly not. Maybe maybe you're right. And certainly, I think a sort of we were there on different nights. I mean, the yes. first night audience. I think one always expects that sort of uh, 
abandoned from, but interesting that the, the night you saw it on, um, you had the same sort of feeling. Uh, and the big question that hovers over the play that is never quite explained is why on earth did she bring the case? Mm. But the other people, who, as I think you were suggesting, who are implicated are not just us journalists, but us the punters, you know, yes. us who are dwelling, uh, you know, salivating over this case and over the funny things that were Absolutely. in on Instagram or, or the way these people seem to be... Um, carving up each other's lives for profit, really. So it plays every Tuesday until the 10th of January. I wonder whether it will carry on in that format or actually find a theatre to call home on a more regular basis. I agree. It's uh, it's 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 one of those things that sort of seems tailor-made for the small studio theatre that everyone says they need in the West End. It's on at the same theatre as Life of Pi. It performs the night that Life of Pi doesn't perform, which is Tuesdays. This could be quite a useful way of theatres utilising dead nights. It yes. sits very, very lightly on the set, but it occupies the space quite well. I think it uses the theatre. It's not like sticking a stand-up comedian just on the set of no. The Crucible and expecting them to be funny. So, you know, Maybe it will transfer somewhere. And, of course, we have the prospect of a rematch if uh, Rebecca Vardy decides to appeal the uh, the decision. And I believe uh, Lisa Sperling and Liv Hennessy have already said they've, they've, they've got their pens sharpened. There was a football pitch laid on top of the Life of Pi set. Yeah, yeah so sort of half football pitch, half courtroom, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yes. Much like my own home setup. <laughs> <laughs> So, Vardy v. Rooney, the Wagatha Christie trial at Wyndham's Theatre. Um, I gave this four stars out of five. What did you reckon, Nick? I gave it dot, 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 four stars too. Right, let's go to the adverts. In the second half, Nancy joins me to discuss a festive offering at the Dominion. That's Elf, but will it be an Elf benefit or an Elf warning? We'll be back after this. Well, I mean, it's not for me. <laughs> so the one thing I would say is I, I suggest to anyone listening not to go and see it with a hangover because that turned out to be 
a bit of a struggle, I'm not going to lie. But, you know, it's not Sondheim. It's a treat for children. Although, as you said, I think it's a bloody expensive treat for children. There was a family sitting in the row in front of me with four adults and I think four or five kids. And the idea of just how much money they must have spent, not including the endless supply of kind of lurid sweets and bottles of Prosecco. It was so interesting on a a Saturday matinee because loads and loads of kids who were absolutely loving it, even like really quite little ones. And there were some moments where they were genuinely like awestruck by, I think, you know, the stagecraft. There's a moment with snow, which which is absolutely brilliant, even though it made me put my hood up straight away because I didn't want it to ruin my hair. (laughs) But... You know, the the children were absolutely adoring it. And actually, there were like groups of middle-aged women with elf hats and bottles of booze and having a great time, you know, kind of coming to town for the day and having a... It's not really like going to see a play. It's it's, it's an, an event, experience. It's, it's an it's event. A, it's yeah. an event. It's a big... It's a Christmas party type thing, I, yeah, I suppose. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of kind of clapping along and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it was very... It's a very high sugar experience. It is. It should be said, and that, that is something, that's where it differs from the film, which has quite a lot of, of sort of bitterness woven through it. Merry Christmas, everybody! <laughs> Buddy is a human who has been accidentally raised as an elf in Santa's grotto in the North Pole. And he is, of course, twice the height of everybody else, but he believes himself to be an elf. He does all the things that elves do, so he has an extremely high sugar diet. He loves Christmas. He loves Santa. He is relentlessly enthusiastic. And suddenly he's told, actually, your dad is this grumpy publisher of children's books in New York, and he gets dumped onto the mean streets of New York. It's possibly the least likely publisher of children's books in the world, although Probably perhaps the that's least what likely. happens. I but don't I, know. The beauty of the film is that his dad is played by James Kahn, who, <laughs> who, who is fantastic in it. And Buddy's elf dad is played by Bob Newhart, possibly the, the least... Christmas joyful filled person you've ever seen in your life and there's really not that much of that here no um, it is it is it does have a kind of thick layer of of um, very very sugary icing over the whole thing let's talk about it in terms of performances and songs and so forth like yes. the 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 singing is pretty good I think yes the singing is pretty good the 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 dancing is individually not bad I think although I found the group numbers a little bit sloppy yeah, I think strictly come dancing has has made us all appreciate our arm formulations yeah, and things yeah. more than we used to now I think we're all much more hypercritical of uh, of technical skill in dancing yeah um, absolutely but there was a huge audience appreciation of some of the bigger numbers whenever anyone did a bit of a belt they absolutely loved it you know there was lots of bravo and and you know serious clapping and and in terms of performances I mean Simon Lipkin is um, is buddy he's mm. been leaving well he's a very accomplished musical theatre and theatre actor and I think he is fine I think he's sort of you know, there isn't so much you can do with this role because it's actually very, he's a child in an adult's body. He is a is child man weird. and therefore the particularly the romance he has with his fellow department store worker has to be handled very, very carefully. Yeah. Again, it's something that I think Will Ferrell carries off with almost unique aplomb in the film and it's almost unfair to Simon Lipkin to expect him to you know come anywhere close to that. Really exactly, and you do have to, you know, when you're doing this kind of musical theatre when there's so much sort of glitter and pizzazz and sugar and sweetness, it, it's actually very, very difficult to tread that line I think it's quite hard to believe that the girl 
Jovi, who we meet the first time, but then actually doesn't have that many lines. No. Um, it would fall for this this sort of slightly ridiculous this person. This plugging man dressed well, in an elf suit. Well, well quite. <laughs> My favourite characters coming out of it were Michael and Emily, who are the son of uh, his publisher father, the, the younger son, yes. who's about twelve, who's meant to be about twelve years old, and the dad's wife, and um, they were actually rather lovely. I mean, you'll see a different Michael, you know, whichever night you go, because there are several boys playing that role, and with children of that age you do tend to get quite a lot of sort of standing and standing and belting but they were really lovely and, hmm. and for me I liked the characters because they were both optimistic but realistic unlike Buddy who is just relentlessly optimistic and yes. doesn't really understand what realism is and that's fine They're dealing with an unhappy overworked father and husband and their chemistry together which I think is you know undoubtedly absolutely on the shoulders of Rebecca Locke as Emily was actually very touching. She's the only, you know, she's the grown-up, but they they really worked well together and they have this lovely number when they, I don't think I'm giving it away, they see Santa. And spoiler they, alert. Spoiler alert. And they, they really, their sort of excitement and coming together is really quite adorable, actually, and I rather enjoyed that bit. Mm. The standout songs, I thought, were Happy All The Time. I quite liked the, you know, which is a big, bouncy, elfy number, yeah. and the story of Buddy towards the end where they all tell you basically the story of Buddy. It's the story of Buddy the Elf. It's the story of Buddy the Elf. It's the story of It's kind of brilliant if he says so himself. It's the story of Buddy the Elf. But I quite liked uh, Nobody Cares About Santa, um, sung by a rebel of disgruntled department store St Nick's in a big Chinese restaurant. The only thing about that number that slightly disturbed me was there are three young female um, actors, dancers, singers as part of the ensemble at that point playing the waitresses and the the dresses that they're wearing. They're wearing these very short Chong Sam dresses and they're slit essentially up to the waist. Yeah. And they're wearing, you know, uh, what are they called? Um, fishnet tights. But they're doing a lot of like leaping. And, and I just sort of thought, is it is it entirely necessary that they would dress like they were in a kind of hmm. opium den? Yes. I don't know. I wasn't entirely up for that. It should be said that Georgina Castle as Jovi as well is sort of given a miniskirt rather than a personality, I think. Yeah, it, I don't. I did feel a little bit like the whole thing was all about Buddy and his sort of syrup habit. I mean, what am I going to do? I'm sitting here talking about Elf the Musical, which is effectively a panto, worrying about the kind of position of women in it and whether or not their characters are sufficiently rounded. I'm looking at this from the wrong angle. (laughs) I should have been looking at it from the bottom of one of those bottles of Prosecco that they are making a killing on, on the bar in the Dominion, because so many people have gone to watch it, including people who have apparently been watching the Asda advert. I don't know if you've seen it, but Asda is, uh, yeah, they've included um, 
uh, bits from the film in in the in the Christmas advert, and apparently it's it's made bookings rocket, which wow. is kind of amazing. It's it's testament to the power of that character, isn't it? And to the original film, it's my wife's favourite Christmas film, and we do rewatch it every year. And I, it, <laughs> that's one thing that this show did make me want to do was go back and, and rewatch it. Well, exactly. I think that's fine, and I never need to see it again. Yes, that's absolutely fine. But it was very very clear to me that everybody in the audience was having a great time and that is ultimately what matters. So, being a Christmas Grinch, I gave Elf two stars out of a possible five. Um, I know you're, you're sort of erring slightly more on the generous by the sound of it, Nancy. What did you I think? am erring more on the generous, and though I hate a three-star review, as you know, Nick, uh, yep. it's, uh, I, I feel it's a bit sitting on the fence. Uh, I'm prepared to kind of sit on the fence with this one. I think it is kind of a, it's a three-star show. But three if you want show. something for your, to take your kids to and have a very, very Christmassy day or night out, then it's the show for you. Four stars if it pacifies the kids and if you, if you tuck into God, the booze before. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, that was Elf the Musical at the Dominion Theatre. I'm Nick Curtis. I'm Nick Clark. And I'm Nancy Durrant. And you've been listening to the Evening Standards Theatre podcast. Tune in again next week. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was, like, wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. Like you were real different. Bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout season two, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.